God, we want to thank you. We exalt you. Lord, we know that in your presence there is healing. In your presence there is joy. In your presence there is life. In your presence there is miracles. God, we want to thank you for your increasing presence around us. We thank you for your spirit that is at work within us. The same spirit that raised you, Jesus, from the dead is at work in us and through us. So, Lord, align us with your word more and more and align us with your spirit that we would walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit, demonstrating your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there an amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to get into the Word this morning, and uh, we're going to share some. I'm uh, going to share some things. I think there's a picture up there. Overflow. Who, who likes that picture? I like that picture. Not that I'm a surfer. In fact, I'm not a good surfer at all. So uh, when we first arrived here and uh, went out with some friends and we went surfing, Bonnie got up the first time. The first morning, we we, we went out surfing. She got up. Me, I just fall off. I'm just not really good. I'll stick to um, sports on land, okay? But listen, over the last few weeks, over the, over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at transformation and freedom. And if you haven't kind of been here and listened to them, you know, I just encourage you to do that because the, the Spirit of God was speaking to so many people about transformation and about freedom. So I want to encourage you to get online and get on Spotify, Apple, whatever it is that you use to listen to that. Because we've been born again from above, and this is something that we've been talking about and declaring for many months now. When you're born again, you're born again into the kingdom of God. You're born again from above. Is there an amen to that? You're born again from above. You are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And the key for us is that we need to let go of some things. We need to let go of those fears. We need to let go of those stresses and those worries. We need to let go of that unbelief. We need to let go of those things. We need to let go of those worldly patterns and that thinking that has entrapped us. And we need to be transformed and made free or walking out the freedom that has already been purchased for us. But we need to be transformed in the renewing of our mind. We need to align with the Word of God. Amen? That's two weeks ago when we talked about taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. When people say, God doesn't love me, you need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. When the enemy makes you think like you've got no gifts, you've got no got no nothing, you need to take every thought captive and you, may, and you need to make it obedient to Christ. When you say, I can't forgive that person for what they've done to me, you need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You know, when you're going through a situation and you think this will never change, you need to take every thought captive and you need to make it obedient to Christ. The Word of God is not just for, for show, it's in terms of you carry it around and go, oh wow, this person's really spiritual, they carry their Bible with them. No, 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 the Word of God is for transformation. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He didn't give us, you know, this just for information, but it's for transformation. And we need to be a people of transformation. Is, is there an amen to that? Transformation. 
Transformation from glory to glory to glory, from one degree of glory to another, to more, to, to another, into the image of Christ. Amen? You know, it's, it's, it's really important for us all, whatever we're going through in life and what is happening, to live out the principle that's in Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every hindrance. Every hindrance. And the sin that entangles us. Lay it aside. And let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. There should be an amen to that. We need to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus because things look different when your eyes are fixed upon Jesus. If your eyes are wandering to the left and to the right, to the storm clouds, to the wind, to the size of the waves, to what's happening around of you, things look very different. But if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus in the midst of that, you have hope. And there is a faith that causes you to stand in the midst of it and say that what God started, He will finish. We fix our eyes on Jesus. In John 18, verse 36, Jesus declared these words. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. That is a profound declaration. My kingdom is not of this world. He was talking about how differently the kingdom of God operates. At that point in time, it wasn't like if my kingdom, you know, was of this world, you know, there'd be all these soldiers and there'd be fighting. No, no, he said, my kingdom's not of this world. We don't operate that way. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but it's principalities and powers. He is king of kings over all spirits, all powers, all authority. The government is upon his shoulders. And I'm not talking about the Australian one. The government is upon his shoulders. The kingdom of God operates so differently, so differently. And that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, For the weapons of a, warfare, of a warfare are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. Therefore we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That is the battleground right there where the enemy comes and whispers lies and things into your thinking, not just you directly, but through circumstances and situations, the enemy whispers, you know, lies and stuff goes on and you start to feel and act a certain way. You need to take every thought captive and you need to make it obedient to Christ. You've been given, the Word of God says, everything you need for life and godliness. Do we believe that? You have been given everything you need for life and godliness. Everything. Everything. So we don't come from a place of lack. Because there's no lack in the kingdom. This has to be our direction going forward. Glory to glory. Maturing sons and daughters, learning to live out the sonship that we have in Christ. We have to align with God. You know, a lot of churches have, you know, um, all kinds of vision statements and 
vision days and all kinds of stuff that goes on. But you know what? Everything that we actually need is in here. We actually just need to align ourselves with God. You know, I was part of a church structure and system years ago where when you started to be the pastor of a church, you know, those that look around you would say, what's the vision? But then what happens is in three years later when you leave and someone else comes in, it's a different vision. And then, and then when they move on and someone else comes in, it's a different vision. And, and, for those, and for those that were there for 10 years or 20 years, they're zigzagging all over the place because the vision keeps changing. But in fact, we need to align ourselves with Jesus and his kingdom vision. His kingdom come and his will be done. Everything we need is actually wrapped up in that. Culture, vision, values, beliefs, everything. Structure, order, it's all in the kingdom of God. It's all here. We just need to align ourselves with it more and more. Is there an amen? See, you see people, I could get a bit excited at times today. Is that all right? Um, you know, people use that verse in Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs uh, 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so people use that. Man-made systems and structures use that go, we need a vision. What's the vision? What's the vision? But if we actually look at the Hebrew context of what this is talking about, it's actually where there is no prophetic revelation, where there's no word of God, where there's, where there's a void, the people perish. The people perish where there is a void. And it actually says that they cast off restraint and do what is right in their own eyes. That's why, we, that, that's why our vision has to be Jesus, and that's why our vision, like we have to seek first the kingdom of God, because that is it. That's our compass. Everything that Jesus taught about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom operates, that's actually our compass. See, but if we don't know that, as the second part of Proverbs 29, 18 says, the people cast off restraint and they do what is right in their own eyes. Why? Because they don't understand the kingdom of God. They haven't had a vision about the kingdom. You know, Jesus made plenty of strong declarations, didn't he? From Matthew 16, where he says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Through to John 10.10, when he said, you know, the enemy has come to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life in abundance. Through to his declarations that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Through to other ones, like in John 14. This is a good one. Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Oh, that's a pretty bold statement. That's a strong declaration right there. Anyone who believes in me will do what I've been doing. In fact, they would do greater things because I'm going to the Father. I'm said in my spirit. And the spirit that raised me from the dead is going to live in you. You're going to do greater things. You know, when I was praying during the week, I was pondering on the words in Luke chapter 6. And Jesus is speaking. And he says these things. Love your enemies. Do what is good. And lend, expect nothing in return. Then your reward will be great. 
and you will indeed be called children of the Most High. For He is gracious to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. We need the overflow. The Word of God says that He has poured out His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We need the overflow. With the measure that we use, it will be measured back to us. That passage speaks of the negative things, but also the positive things. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You go around judging people, you're going to feel judged all the time. You, you go around condemning people and, and not forgiving people, you're going to feel that all the time. But if you give, if you give and you help and you encourage and you sow, with the measure you use, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. It's actually a principle of the kingdom of God. It's how the kingdom of God operates because there's no lack. There's only overflow. There's only abundance in the kingdom of God. And God wants us to align ourselves. In his presence, it says there is fullness of joy. I don't even know what that really looks like. <laughs> in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Not just joy, but fullness of joy. In his presence, there's no lack there, is there? It's not lack there has to be an aligning, a reformation, or maybe I should say a reformation. There has to be. It's time for the kingdom to manifest in us, through us, amongst us, and his people more and more. Amen? Amen. I was thinking, you know, of how different we are born again in Christ. And we're not to live to the culture of this world, but we live according to the culture of heaven. And I've said this before, but, you know, there's a thing that's happening right around the world right now. And please hear me, I'm not saying that we can't use certain things for certain purposes. But there's so many people right around the globe, Christians that have disengaged from meeting together with brothers and sisters face to face, and they're just doing it online. That is a pattern of the world. That is not discipleship as Jesus would call discipleship. Because we are the ecclesia. And please, don't mishear me. You can access teachings, you can access stuff online. I'm talking about forsaking the gathering together in a local community for talking with someone on the other side of the world that you don't even really know. We clear on that? Just want to make clear. The ecclesia... The Ecclesia. Peter draws this out because that's who we are. The Ecclesia is the, is the called out people of God, the sons and daughters. We're called out. We're connected. We're gathered together. That's who we are. And Peter draws this out and he says this. He says, but you, that's not a singular, that's a plural. You together, you, you, all of you together. You, he says, are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for his possession. Ah, oh, 
How good is that? That's who you are. That's who we are together, not independent, but together. That's who we are. We're a nation. We're a people belonging to God so that we may proclaim the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous, wonderful light. That's what happens when we get together and we start to declaring the praises of him. And we were reminded that we were once lost in darkness, but he's brought us into his wonderful light. And the praises just start to rise and rise again. Amen. It goes on to say, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We get a glimpse of this. We get a glimpse of this in Scripture. Well, we get lots of glimpses, really. But we get a glimpse of this after Pentecost, don't we? We get a glimpse that people had encountered what Jesus had done for them. That the Spirit of God was being poured out. It wasn't just a breath of God anymore. It was a mighty Russian wind that came. And there was a, there was a transformation that occurred there was a letting go of what was, and there was a taking hold of what is. Is there an amen? In Acts chapter 2, we then begin to see what these people did. This was a, this was a radical transformation, as, as Guy already alluded to before. Those that had walked away from Christ were now boldly declaring the gospel of Christ. Peter, who denied Christ, is now standing there full of, full of faith, full of fire, full of the Holy Spirit, and boldly proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is transformation. That is what God can do. And we sell him short because we kind of like make a decision for Jesus and we add him to our life rather than dying to self and Christ becoming our life. So we have this mixture that goes on, and we walk in mixture with a bit of God and a bit of the world. In our thinking, in our, in our ways, in everything we do, we have this mixture. And what's happening at the moment and what's been happening over the past few years is that, is that God is getting rid of the mixture. And sometimes it's like, oh, that's a bit deep. But he's touching us and he's healing us and he's delivering us and he's working in us. That we could be there. There, there was no mixture. There's no lukewarmness. There's no, there's no mixture anymore. But we stand and we live for Jesus and his kingdom. Amen. And we get a glimpse of that in the book of Acts because it says when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. When they heard the message that Jesus, that they were sinners and that Jesus died for them and everything that took place was to redeem us and bring us back to God. When they heard this message of the gospel, they were cut to the heart and they said, brothers, what shall we do? You know something's going on when someone else asks the question. What am I to do? What, what, what's going on in me? What am I to do? And Peter said, he was just kind of straight to the point. He said, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. 
Woo! I think we've been far off because that was like 2,000 years ago. With many other words, he testified and he strongly urged them saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Save yourselves. Save yourselves. Get out of the world. No longer live as the world lives. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Don't live as they do, but come out from it and live for me. Amen. And those who accepted his message. You know, that's actually a hard message, isn't it? It doesn't... It, it doesn't, sometimes I think we can make it too easy. But he was giving them a hard message. He gave them the good news of the gospel. He gave them all that stuff. But then he was warning them, saying, well, if you're going to go this journey, you have to let go of that stuff and you need to walk in the new. He, and then he, he, he warned them. But those who accepted this message that, the only way they could enter into the kingdom of God is, as, is if they were born again. There is no other way. Jesus said, you shall not see the kingdom unless you're born again. And we wonder why Wesley and Finney and, and Whitfield and all these people came preaching the gospel afresh to the church is because there were many around America, many in America who were sitting in church but had not been born again. But those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day 3,000 people were added. And this is the glimpse of the overflow. The transaction had already happened. This was the overflow. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They weren't trapped in mixture, filling their minds with all kinds of other stuff. They were getting in. Teach us, teach us, teach us. We want to we wanna understand this. We want to we wanna be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We want to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We need this teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. It wasn't a casual relationship. You know, wandering, good to see you, Kathy. Um, you know, I'll see you next month or whenever I see you next. There was nothing casual about it. There was nothing casual. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to one another. There was a devotion that was happening between the people. There was a devotion to the breaking of bread. May we never, ever, ever forget what Jesus has done for us. You know, there are so many denominations that just, you know, break bread once a quarter or once every six months, or once every 12 months. You know, don't just break bread here. Break bread in your homes. Remember, you know, you're going through a battle. Break bread every day. Stand together as a husband and wife and break bread together. And remember what Jesus has done for you and take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Let us never forget the sacrifice of what Jesus has done for us. And they devoted themselves to prayer. Rosalind was saying. It wasn't just a casual thing. I'm in trouble, I need to pray. Things are not going well, I need to pray. No, 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 they were a praying people. And Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. There are many aspects to prayer. But a people of prayer shows that we are dependent upon the Lord. It's not our strength, it's not our effort, it's Him. We are dependent on Him in everything and with everything. 
And it goes on to say that everyone was filled with awe. That'd be a good one, wouldn't it? We come together, walk in, we're gathering together in this place or somewhere else, whatever. We gather in and you just, you just this, I'm in awe. Sometimes, you know, it's good just to get out at night time and look up in the sky, although it's a bit cloudy today. And it's good to see the stars. Sometimes it's good to stroll along the beach and just listen to the sound of the waves. Sometimes it's good to go to the botanic gardens and just see the beauty of part of God's creation and just remind yourself and be in awe that the one who spoke and created the heavens and the earth knows you by name and loves you with an everlasting love. Isn't that good? They were filled with awe. They didn't have the ho-hums. They were filled with awe. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles and we've heard testimonies of things that Jesus is doing right here today. Now all the believers were together and they held everything in common. That is just an amazing thing. That is just an amazing thing. That, that, that is so the opposite of this world that we live in, where everything's mine, 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 mine. And yet they were together and they, and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and their property and distributed proceeds to all that had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Can you just imagine this? Like that people were living their life and they were doing their thing and then on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost happened and these people were being redeemed, they were being transformed and things were happening and they left their old life and they entered into their new life and all of a sudden Jesus was their life. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what your friends and family members around you would be saying? Like, what is going on here? You know, I've met people that make a decision, for example, and they say, I want to get fit. I want to build up my muscles. And so what do they do? They start going to the gym every day. They don't just go once a week or once a fortnight or when they feel like it. They start to go to the gym every day. And as they go to the gym, they're actually starting to work their bodies. The muscles that were a bit, you know, flabby are starting to become, you know, more tight and more strong. That's what happens. You know, I remember back when I had a knee operation a long time ago now and I couldn't walk properly for six weeks. Yeah, in six weeks, the muscle that wasted away around my knee, you could visibly see the difference from one leg to another. That's what happens in Christ if we're not diligent and disciplined about seeking, about praying, about getting into the Word, about connecting and fellowshiping. Before we know it, we just start wandering. That's what happens. It doesn't take much. We go, I'm all right, I'm all good. And before you know it, it's like, oh, I'm actually not good. They lived differently. They lived in the overflow, didn't they? 
They lived in the overflow of Christ. They live in the overflow of what Christ had done. They lived in the overflow. That's what they were doing. You know, just, just look at these two pictures for a minute. Hands up who those, those people amongst us that are more visual, that like to see. Some people are more word-based or whatever, but we've, we've actually got quite a few. Picture this with me. When Jesus said, Give and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. What does that look like? What does it look like? Can you imagine it? What about when Jesus said in John 7 verse 38, he says, for everyone who believes in me, out of them will flow rivers of living water. What does that look like? Whoever believes in me, out of him, out of them will, 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 will flow rivers of living water. I'm reminded of in Revelation 22 about the river of God that is teeming with life. And it never fails. The land never fails to bear fruit. There's so much abundance. There's so much overflow. I'm reminded in Ezekiel 47 about the river that flowed from the temple. And the further it flowed, the deeper it got. That is overflow. That is abundance. That is the kingdom of God. Do you know that we are the temple? Our bodies are, but we together are the temple. The overflow is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is Christ through you. It is the expression of Christ through you. Upon the revelation of everything that Jesus has done for you, there is transformation and there is freedom. And, there, and from that place of freedom, there is overflow. We just read about it. That's what happened with the early church. There was just overflow. Overflow. And it said that God added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why? Because things were flowing out. Things were flowing out. There was, there was more signs. There was more wonders. There was more provision. There was more helping. There was more loving. And the people were going, what on earth is going on around here? It was catching on. The Lord added to their number daily. The kindness and goodness of God that was being displayed in all kinds of varied ways was leading people to repentance. That's what was happening. The kindness and goodness of God was being manifested in the community and the goodness of God was leading other people to repentance. And that wasn't just momentary. That just continued and continued and continued. It is the enemy that does come to steal, kill, and destroy. Make no doubt about that. He's the father of lies. And he will just keep lying and lying and lying. And you know, sometimes the lies look like truth. Because he masquerades as an angel of light. So sometimes on the surface you go, oh, there's some truth in that. But then you go, oh, no, there's not. He is a liar. 
He is a deceiver. He is. That's who he is. Jesus said, but I've come to bring you life and life abundant. The overflow. You see, that we wouldn't just know that we are loved, but that his love would be flowing through us, that other people would encounter the unconditional, amazing love of God. That we wouldn't just have grace for salvation for ourselves, but there would be abundant grace. His grace would be evident as Jesus came full of grace and truth. His power would be on display. And we've heard testimonies about that today. His power. My heart longs for greater times in his presence and his glory. Like the cloud just filling the room in that way and we all just fall down in his presence and no one has to minister because the Lord is there. It's what it says in Ezekiel 48. Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is there. The Lord is amongst them. That is the testimony that someone would come amongst and go, the Lord is in this place. So anything that detracts from that, Paul had to remind the Ephesians, he had to remind others at times, put it off. Put off. Just, just remember, put off whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Just put it off and put on Christ. And sometimes we need to be reminded, don't we? No? <laughs> sometimes we, need, we all need to be reminded to put off and to put on. That's why discipleship is good, because you have people that can speak into your life and remind you of the truth. Amen? I better finish up. In worship, I was reading those words from Isaiah 61. The ministry of Christ, which becomes our ministry to the world around us. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Did you know your carrier of good news is the enemy telling you that you're not? Well, the Word of God says you are. You are a carrier of good news, amen? It says about Jesus, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Oop, fan. To proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. That's what the Lord's calling us to do. But sometimes we need to walk in the freedom and the liberty for ourselves first so that we can then minister that freedom and that liberty to others. We sang about it at the start. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. Came to, there's liberty and there's, there's freedom and that God is working in our hearts and lives to set us free from those things that have held us back, to set us free from those things that have kept us in bondage, to set us free from those mindsets, to set us free from those worldly patterns, to set us free from those destructive cycles, to set us free from anything that would hinder us from walking in the liberty and freedom that Christ has purchased. 
And as we walk in the freedom, the overflow is that it flows through us. And we love like God loves. We forgive like God forgives. We help like God helps. We give like God gives. We are the conduit for His presence and His glory. Is there an amen? God is wanting all of us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That's where we are. You know, when I was praying two or three weeks ago, the Lord was speaking to me about His kingdom. And you know where the kingdom of God is, there is peace. And you know the opposite of the kingdom? It's chaos. Because the kingdom of God brings order. The kingdom of God brings peace, and the opposite of that is chaos. That's what it is. He wants to bring His order in our lives. His peace that surpasses all understanding, that would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. He wants to bring His peace, His order. His ways. And then watch for the overflow. There's nothing like talking to someone who's, who's had a revelation about something. They come up to me and they said, I've had a revelation. You know, have you, you, know, you know how you've been speaking about intimacy and that Christ made the way for me. You know what? I had, a, I had the revelation this week. It's like the light bulb went on and I realized that that is actually true and I can have an intimate relationship with God. I don't just need to worship Him at a distance, but I can, just, I can be in relationship with Him. It's the overflow. Because they've had a revelation. Something's gone on. There's been a divine exchange. And the overflow is they just start telling everyone about it. I was in this battle. I was in this circumstance. And God broke through. And guess what happened? It's the overflow. God is calling us to be a people of overflow. But let's just make sure in this moment as we step into the that we understand everything that He has done for us. Because how can we minister that to others if we don't know it for ourselves? If the enemy's still trying to, you know, sow seeds of doubt, of unbelief, that you're not loved, you're not accepted, you don't have gifts, you don't have purpose, if he's trying to sow all those little things, how can we minister to others with a clear conscience? Jesus has done it all. It is finished. It is finished. God, it's your kingdom come. It's your will be done. In us, through us, amongst us. The kingdom has come near, amen. If you find yourself in, in a battle, in your headspace, in your thinking, make sure you get with a brother and sister in the Lord and allow them to speak kingdom truth into your life. Allow them to speak hope. Allow them to speak encouragement. Allow them to speak into your life. I love how we get together and from the moment we start, we sing the name of Jesus. 
I love how people share stuff and it's about Jesus. We're coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about Jesus, amen. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. So today we come and we lay our lives afresh. We say, God, that we would be your people afresh right here in this city and region. That we would walk in the fullness of what you have done for us. We would walk in the abundant life. We would walk in as a transformed people. We would walk in the freedom. Not just the freedom from the ultimate penalty of sin, but the freedom of sin. That our desire would not be to sin, but that our desire would be Jesus. We thank you, God, that your kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we come and we yield to you. Yield to you, God. We ask by your Spirit that you would continue to help us to take every thought captive, that they would be made obedient to Christ in everything in every way. And Lord, we say glorify your name. We've seen you move. You move the mountains and we believe you're going to do it again and again and again. May the people of God continue to testify. Look what the Lord has done. He has done great things for us. The Lord has done great things. And the people said, You gave your life.